Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster from Canada. I'm in Canada. Oh. And I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm in Portland, Portland, Oregon. But I'm always here, so that's not We're particularly... We're in the same time zone. Yay! Oh, that's exciting. Like the old days. Like the old days. And how is it in Canada? You must be very excited to see Infinity Pool in its final uncut form. How are you feeling? I'm very, very excited. Uh, it's tomorrow, the, the cast and crew screening, the Canadian cast and crew screening. Yeah, obviously the all the Sundance buzz has been going around. The publication that shall not be named called it White Lotus for Sickos, which I actually quite like. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't see that. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you don't get into the gutter where that kind of press exists. Right. But, uh, yes, yes. Someone, someone spotted it and sent it to me. Right, right, I'm right. grateful. But yeah, no, that's that's a that's a treat. Yeah, it's really good. Very pleased. That, that's uh, can't cl- wait. Can't wait to see it. That's clearly someone who's never read any JG Ballard because that's how it. I haven't seen it yet, but that's how it all comes across to me. And of course, JG yeah. JG Ballard is JG Ballard for sickos. I'm very very excited. One of my favourite authors, and you know, Cronenberg, absolutely brilliant genius director. I'm sure it was so fun to collaborate with him on all of this mad business i don't know too much but just from people's reactions on twitter it sounds like it makes society look like night of the demons which we're here to talk about look at that perfect segue (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's what we're doing this time night of the demons and this was my pick so i'll be very interested to hear what dan thinks about it so let's just do that now shall we so uh night of the demons which i watched on arrow on the arrow streaming service where it is uh right now in the states dan when was the first time you saw night of the demons and how do you feel about it in general i'm trying to think i was considering this while i was re-watching it and i i don't know like it must have been relatively early I mean, it wasn't one that had... It was late enough that it came out in the UK without really any trouble. Maybe I rented it from a video store. Mm -hmm. It was definitely... It was definitely in that, like, period of my youth when I was just consuming everything with the, you know, with the name horror, with the title horror. I enjoyed it. It's, um... It's a it's a slightly peculiar film. I think it's both better and worse than it realizes it is. Right, that's very interesting. So talk me through how it's better than it realizes, and then we'll get on to worse. Because yeah, I'm very interested in that. It's really technically competent. The language of yeah. the film is really good, but it's also kind of a lot of the ways in which it's been put together, and I think particularly the script is quite slapdash. I feel like just from doing some light research, I feel like the script was chopped up a little bit. I think it was. I think there's some progressive elements to it that remain, but it was going to be even more progressive. There was going to be a gay couple in the mix, in the group, and there was also going to be an interracial kiss as well. But um, both of those things were cut by the producers, unfortunately. It's got a weird tone where there's some very kind of hateful language in that. Obviously, it's of its time. It was released in the late 80s, so... You know, these kinds of things were being thrown around a lot more casually back then. But it's kind of lighter in other respects, like powerful women characters as well. There's sexuality in there, but they're using it to their advantage. Not that there's anything wrong with sexuality, (laughs) but in comparison to films of this era, which could feel a bit more exploitative, here it feels like the women are the ones doing the exploiting, which is um, is cool. Yeah, it's... 
it's still male gaze abounds, but of it's course, being, but it's at the it's the choice of the female characters. Yeah, uh, and much more often, and it's at least subverting it as well to a certain extent. Like um, the infamous lipstick scene that kind of subverts what people might <laughs> want to be experiencing in that sequence, but, and the sh- and the shoplifting. Uh, sequence as well is very Abs- much taking ownership of it and, absolutely yeah and and using it to take advantage of a sort of stereotypical like horny teen boy totally like trope absolutely and there's some yeah, like you say there's some lovely filmmaking in here i really the cracked mirror shot really stood out to me um, oh yeah in terms of photography and like the positioning of everyone it's just really really beautiful like a beautiful photo and there's really fun set pieces. Like I love dance sequences in movies, especially in non-musical movies. And this is a great one. It was choreographed by the actress and it's just really fun. And, you know, anything that involves Bauhaus, I'm a, I'm a fan of. So, yeah, that was a great little sequence. Anything stand out for you on that front in terms of like set piece stuff? I don't know if it fully counts as a set piece. The, uh, the, the one, two of the, the coffin kill. Mm-hmm. And then the coffin resurrection, yeah, uh, probably my favourite moments in it. Yes, the that's great. arm off shot mm-hmm. in the coffin resurrection is, mm. until very recently, I think, was the best missing arm body rig, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. In in film history, um, if only because it was brazen enough to be uh, bare chested, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's only really been superseded by that regeneration super in Boys season two. And you said that it's also worse than it thinks it is. So what are some of the qualities that brought it down a bit for you? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit with my recommendations, but it, like a lot of it, it feels like a Nicomasterakis picture in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it could be a Masterakis film that had a very strong arm and talented DP. Interesting. So give me some specific comparison points well i mean it re- like i mentioned the dialogue earlier it re- like a lot of it feels it's it's got that weird stiltedness and i, I wonder if maybe it's um older people writing teens which is right. a, you know a very common place for these things to feel weird um but the master Akis comparison comes from the fact that it feels like when you have a, a director where english isn't their first language directing stylized dialogue in english right. it gives this whole like sort of like slightly surreal veneer to the performances everything feels a bit stilted yeah absolutely and that's really interesting originally Linnea Quigley turned it down because she felt she was too old to play a teenager and so that kind of ties into what you're saying and even Linnea Quigley's delivery which she basically does in every film it's not just this film but like every line feels like the, the final sentence of an argument or something like her style is so confrontational and um, like everything she says feels angry, even when it isn't, um, <laughs> which is, is pretty funny. But um, obviously I love Linnea Quigley. She's an icon and she's in so many cool horror movies from the period. So yeah, it's something that's distinctive to her that I really, really enjoy and doesn't necessarily bring the whole thing down for me but yeah I can I can definitely see what you're saying like it's weird structurally as well like the way it's bookended by these two completely arbitrary scenes that connect kind of makes it feel like an anthology movie even though there's only one story very odd but it's a fun movie I I, I actually enjoy the performances I mentioned Linnea Quigley but I think Kathy Podewell is great she's got a real kind of Shelley long energy in this movie and 
she was working as a waitress when she was cast in this and she went on to appear in 70 episodes of Dallas <laughs> as Kathy Ewing. It's just like a light, fun movie. The The deaths, like it goes a long time before anyone gets hurt in this film, right? Yeah, I think they had, so Steve Johnson did the effects. Yes. It was comparatively early in, in him being like a like a designer, like a head of things. He's very good, but I, he also, I, I get the feeling, was probably already quite difficult to handle oh, <laughs> at this point in his career. I mean, he's he's quite open about his, uh, his love of white powder <laughs> at this point oh. in his life. Um, ah. So, I, I mean, you mentioned changes to the script. A, I wonder if there was anything... Like, it seems like they saved their money for later in the in the film but it's unusual not to have a first act like event yes and i wonder if one was written and then dropped for money or time or interesting yeah that makes a lot of sense of course linnea quickly met steve johnson making this film the first time they met was when he was casting her breasts for the lipstick scene and they ended up getting married and I did wonder what they had in common. So there's a love story at the heart of this movie as well and there is a weird kind of sweetness to it. I don't know, like it seems like everyone's having fun and without spoiling anything for anyone who hasn't seen it, there is a character that makes it to the end that I was very, very glad to see make it to the end that really knocked it up a couple of star ratings for me. Yeah. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that. And yeah, let's talk a, a bit about the monster design because it's called Night of the Demons. I'm hoping that's a deliberate play on Night of the Demon from 1957. And I can see similarities in that monster and this monster. I don't know if, you know, as a, a creature designer yourself, you could see that or felt that influence. I mean, there's a sort of a feline yes. quality to some extent to both yeah. of them. There you go. <laughs> That's all I need. That <laughs> tenuous will um, do. Particularly in the lenses. Johnson loves a lens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell, tell us more about Steve Johnson because I don't really know his work and I think it's excellent. Oh, you, oh boy, you do know his work, Sam. <laughs> you, you, so Steve Johnson, probably his biggest like success is Fright Night. Of course, yes. Um, okay. Which is amazing. He was responsible for the uh, the. the the abandoned version of the predator but he's one of these guys who's always been like right at the like right on the edge of being one of the big names and he's very much a showman like he's 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 a very big character he's very like fun to hear talk um if you ever get a chance if he's ever playing at a con or, or you know something like that like doing a talk go and see him he was one of dick smith's students uh, uh, and he assisted dick on ghost story Oh, cool! Amazing, um, among others. But then, I mean, and he's he's still working today, although to you know not as not as full on. He's he's more sort of doing the circuit. I think he did concept work for Bicentennial Man and almost blinded Robin Williams. Oh wow! It was fun. Wow! <laughs> With a chrome makeup that ran into his eyes. Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> he's a he's a he's always been like wherever he's been. Controversy has has been close, but he's also uh, he's very talented. But he took a lot of risks. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a very chaotic CV, but that's cool. And would you recommend his book, Rubberhead? Have you read it? I have a PDF of it because I missed out on a physical copy and I have never opened it, which is <laughs> appalling. Um, I believe there is an audio book of him reading it around. Okay, right. which I, I don't know if that's been officially released, but that would be amazing. He yes. is like, he very much... Like, imagine if you sort of took Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. and kind of smushed them in together. That's his personality. Wow. 
I, I now I'm going to read this book. That sounds uh, that sounds very <laughs> intriguing. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all we have to say about this one because we did watch it on streaming, so um, no extras this time. But I'm really, really interested to hear what your recommendations are going to be. So why don't you go first with your recommendation based on Night of the Demons? My first recommendation based on Night of the Demons is another Steve Johnson project. It is 1993's Return of the Living Dead Part 3. Oh, wow. Nice. As I said, Johnson did the makeup effects for it. It's Brian Usner returning to to direct. Um, It's kind of like plot-wise, it's reanimator meets punk. So it's got a bit of that Night of the Demons vibe to it, although it, it separates from it in other ways. And it's, yeah, it's really fun. It's got that kind of Usner, like, out there-ness that he would bring to things like Bride of Reanimator and stuff like that. But it's it's also got Johnson's effects work. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone's seen it. This is not a deep cut. <laughs> well, from one deep cut to another, before you watch Return of the Living Dead Part 3, I'm advising that you watch Return of the Living Dead Part 1. Um, we've <laughs> obviously talked about this one before. But if you've seen Night of the Demons and you haven't watched Return of the Living Dead, what are you doing? It's only one of the greatest movies ever made. And it's the film that made Linnea Quigley an icon. She was cast in this directly off the back of her performance in that. And Shay and I went to see Return of the Living Dead at a grindhouse theatre the night before our wedding. And it's still one of the greatest cinema experiences I've ever had. This movie does not get old. So even if you have seen it before, watch it again. It is a joy and a pleasure every single time. So, yes, I'm using this as an excuse to encourage you to watch it for the first time or for the 1000th time. But if you can see it on a big screen, do. But if you can't, just rent it or stream it immediately. It is a stone cold horror masterpiece. One of the greats. Right, Dan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, truly, truly. And what's next from you, recommendations-wise? It's a Nico Masterakis picture. Hey! <laughs> it's also, I think, on the Arrow player. Oh, um, sweet. Although that might, be, that might be old info. So this is, this is a, a, a slightly caveated recommendation, because I wouldn't necessarily say that this is an excellent film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's something about the vibe as i mentioned uh with night of the demon that makes me think of master Arrakis. and this is one of his lesser seen weirder films it's a, a sort of tech giallo that he made called blind date starring joseph bottoms and Kirstie alley uh, it's about a man who loses his sight and is fitted with an experimental computer device that sort of creates a migraine inducing like early line art version of the world like you know what they thought computers did in the early 80s yeah so yeah it's amazing i don't know if you watched the remake of rear window with christopher reeve where no i haven't where he made it after his accident and he's in his chair and this is that's a second recommendation by the way obviously it's not going to touch the hitchcock but it's a really fascinating movie Mm. and because reeve was genuinely like confined to his chair when they made the movie because it was after his accident it adds some some pretty interesting sort of like real world tension to it particularly Mm. at the end and i won't spoil it too much but there is a scene where something is sort of happening to reeve that is Mm life-threatening that is related to the chair Mm -hmm. and he decided to do that for real it's very tense um but so that scene that i just referred to there there's that kind of energy over this guy having to like put himself through suffering to be able to see the world. It's a it's a deeply flawed movie, but there's some really interesting stuff at play. And if you like that weird off kilter heart of glass vibe, again, it's no Herzog, but <laughs> but like that kind of like weird broken reality, then there's something about that in Blind Date. 
Fantastic. Yeah, that's going on my list. And one that won't be going on your list, Dan, because I'm sure you've seen it multiple times. It's The Fun House. Not Supernatural, but Toby Hooper's Fun House has a similar hangout on a nightmare night feel. And it also opens with a pervy little brother who's obsessed with horror movies and masks like Night of the Demons. And Night of the Demons feels like a kind of best off remix of lots of 80s stuff. There's Evil Dead in there. There's Hell Night, Killer Party. But the Fun House is definitely in the mix. And maybe it's a lesser seen one. It is one that Arrow's released in the past. It'd be nice if they did it again in glorious 4K. Please, Arrow, uh, if you hear this, please do that. A good one. And I definitely recommend it. The Fun House. All right. Dan, how do you feel about The Fun House? Yeah, I like it. I watched it when I was going through all my uh, all the nasties phase. Yeah, nice. And I don't necessarily know that it lives up to inclusion on that list, but it is not without its merits. And I like the creature design. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, it it I'm not saying it's as good as Evil Dead, um just that these are films in the mix in Night of the Demons. These are all things that I feel because obviously oh, yeah, Night Night of the Demons came at the tail end of the 80s in 88 and I feel like it was kind of taking little bits and pieces from other cool stuff from America and Italy as well. But anyway, all right, that's it for recommendations based on the movie. Let's move into what we've been watching over the past couple of weeks. Dan, what have you got for us first? A last minute addition to my list uh, because I watched it on the plane on the way to Canada. I was very impressed. I took an Air Canada flight Mm -hmm. and it was a brand new plane. The seats were further apart. They reclined really nicely. The ceilings were high inexcusably they had gotten rid of that sign that tells you whether someone's in the toilet from the other end of the plane so you never know whether it's occupied when you get up that's bullshit other than that the 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 real standout winner and i tweeted about this while i was sitting waiting to take off was the uh, entertainment system oh cool so massive flat screen in the back of the and i was just flying normal coach like i wasn't going in a fancy class or anything Mm. um massive flat screen in the back of the seat in front of you all of those little grids that make it touch screen have gone because obviously you know tablets have come on a long way since they started putting this tech into planes which is really good Mm. a dedicated criterion channel (gasps) on the plane right the ability to make lists so you can say yeah put that on my list put that on my list put that wow. on my list so you can oh, come man. back to it later yeah because obviously the ui on these things is always dog shit and then finally you can send invitations to other seats on the plane to watch movies at the same time as you what the heck so you can sync up your screen no no more like going okay press play on three one two three press oh no you didn't press it hard enough now we're out of sync None of that. That's all gone. Now wow. you can just like watch the same movie as the person next to you and have it. Oh, it's great. Now, so have you travelled with Jen, or were you just like forcing random people on the plane to watch a film at the same time as you, whether they liked it or not? <laughs> I was, I was travelling with Tracy Loader, uh, oh, my okay. key from Infinity Pool, because she, oh, she had sweet. been visiting me in London before Perfect. I came over to to stay with her in Toronto, and I'm recording this from her her room. Oh, cool, <laughs> in her cool. apartment. Um, ensconced away um yeah no it's fantastic uh she did not watch this one with me she was like no i'm gonna sleep (laughs) (laughs) but but i i've wanted to see it for a while it played at can it may be out in streaming in the uk i've kind of forgotten about it but it's incredible but true the quentin dupur picture from last year now that i believe is streaming on arrow are you oh is it yeah incredible but true There you go. Yeah, it's certainly streaming in the States. I don't know about the UK. Amazing. Well, there you go. That's a, a terrific recommendation. I'd missed it coming on to Arrow. Yeah, it's fantastic. Have you seen it? I haven't watched it yet. Do you want to do it next time? Yeah, let's do that. 
Perfect. There we go. Let's not go any further. I'm not going to say any more about it. Excellent. Oh, very excited about that. Fantastic. There you go, uh, Precious Arrowheads. You even got a glimpse at some admin there. We will be doing Incredible But True next time on the Arrow Video Podcast. And my only recommendation this fortnight is going to be sick and that's not a review of the recommendation that is the title of the movie and the reason i'm only doing one is i'm going to be dropping down to one recommendation an episode for the time being as i recommend for a week over at vhs quest and i'm writing a movie to an insane deadline right now so there's only so much time in the day um, but if you want more recommendations there's over 50 five zero rare and obscure movie recommendations at vhs quest and that's at patreon.com forward slash vhs quest and that's where the majority of my recommendations are going to be going but with that all out of the way i'm going to talk about sick and this is the new slasher movie by kevin williamson who obviously wrote scream and it's directed by the guy who did universal soldier day of reckoning which is <laughs> maybe that's a, a secondary recommendation there you go i've hit my target that's amazing uh, amazing movie and yeah sick is a pandemic slasher it's about a couple of teens who go to isolate in a house in the middle of nowhere who are targeted by a killer and wonderful performances i really really enjoyed both of the leads they're they're really really fantastic and the energy of the dialogue and the action really match beautifully people have described it as one long chase sequence and it's not quite that but it is fast-paced and funny it isn't perfect it feels a bit like television at times and i can see why it went straight to streaming in the states so it probably won't be on my best of at the end of the year but i did have so much fun with it and it's a throwaway old school slasher which I do really enjoy. It's not Scream, but I definitely preferred it to any of the new Halloween movies. And actually, I preferred it to the last Scream sequel as well. So really do recommend Sick. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and very short as well. It just like, it speeds by and it's over before you know it. So that's uh, something else that uh, is really useful for me at the moment. So yeah, Sick, watch it. I'm not sure if it's out in the UK yet, but... Uh, when it is, do give it a go. What's next from you, Dan? Wicked. Well, it's another French film. Oh. <laughs> Coincidentally. It's a film I've mentioned in the past, but I've never seen it before. Do you remember a film that we loved that, um, uh, called Steak? Oh, I love... Yeah, we loved Steak. God, that was... So- I've got such fond memories of watching that with you, Dan. In fact, I think I brought it up to Shay like a week ago, our, our viewing of Steak. Yeah, great movie. I, I think I, I still... Have you, have you, have you, has Shay seen it? No, no, she hasn't. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can find the subtitle file I have for it. Oh um, yes, please. And send it over to you. Yes. Um, thank you. So for our audience, Steak is the first feature from Quentin Dupuy, the director of Incredible but True, and also Rubber, which is probably his most famous picture. Yeah. So it is. Uh, it is a coincidence that the other film that I wanted to recommend uh, this week has a, a slightly tenuous connection to him. But when uh, so Steak is is his first film, and it starred a comedy duo called Eric and Ramsey, <laughs> who are huge in France but never really exported because a lot of their comedy is around wordplay. They're kind of a dumb and dumber kind of duo in that they're both stupid, so stupid they don't know they're stupid. They don't know what they don't know. And they're always constantly like using malapropisms and, and sort of try, 
tumbling over their words, all types of humour that are very difficult to translate. Uh, Steak, I think, translated very well, even though I was watching it with fan subs. And after we watched that and I liked them, I wanted to do a bit more research into them and find them. And I've found almost nothing of theirs has been released outside mm-hmm. of France. Mm-hmm. There was an American DVD of a quite heavily maligned film they uh, did, which was released under the English language title Don't Die Too Hard, which is about two cleaners that get caught up in a terrorist plot in a in a high-rise building hmm. um, and try to use their knowledge of Die Hard to, <laughs> to get through it. I've not seen that one. One of the ones that really drew my attention um, is one called Too Alone or Too Alone in Paris mm-hmm. from 2008. As far as I know, it's never had an official uh, subtitle release. So I got a, a French DVD of it, which has been sitting there for absolutely ages. And eventually, about five months ago, four or five months ago, I found a fan sub file an SRT file so I downloaded that and I packaged the two together on my computer and I thought well I'm traveling I'm gonna be watching stuff on my iPad anyway I'll take it with me and so I watched that also on the plane <laughs> excellent so I had a sort of a tenuous double bill it's fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> it has none of the well it sort of does have the surreality of steak but not in the same way. So Dupur really like set out his stall in rubber, and we'll go into more of this on the next episode, I'm sure, with his uh, no reason ethos. Mm. Two alone is surreal, but not for any like sort of manifesto reasons, but just because the Eric and Ramsey wrote it and directed it and starred in it and didn't really care, as far as I could tell, about narrative. Mm-hmm. Like It's all set around um, a conceit, which I'm definitely going around the houses and telling you. The, the conceit is... One of them is a police officer who does not have the respect of his uh, fellow policemen. They all think he's a fucking idiot, because he is. He's an idiot. (laughs) And he is obsessed with catching a criminal who is also an idiot, but is a slightly cooler idiot, who the rest of the police seem to have no interest in. Which is insane, because (laughs) the beginning of the film starts with the most like backward-brained heist I've ever seen, which I won't explain in any detail, although God knows how anyone's going to see this, but <laughs> but involves the most, like, sort of commercial destruction of a main city since, like, it's got a Bruckheimer levels of damage. It's ridiculous, and all for nothing. Like, it benefits him in no way. But the rest of the police just don't seem to care that, like, buildings and tourist buses and everything's just exploding and smashing. It's quite a big budget action sequences. Wow. Anyway, so they're obsessed. This seems to be like their life is this weird, like intertangled thing. And then, for reasons that are not explained initially, or in fact ever, everyone else in the world disappears. Cool. And the two of them find themselves alone in Paris together. Wow. That is such a great setup. And then, even though it doesn't ever really explain why it happened it starts to sort of hint at rules Mm -hmm. which it then ignores so it's gonna be (laughs) annoying for people who get upset by that kind of stuff especially considering it's just so willfully obtuse with what the fuck is going on as far as like how how they can undo this what exactly is happening and then at the end it's just like oh buff (laughs) and then it just fucking finishes amazing it is like I laughed out loud like maybe a dozen times during it. I chuckled several more times. It's yeah, it's it's very very stupid fun. Wonderful, I love it. I I'm gonna hassle you for a way to watch that because that sounds so up my street. And yeah, I'll I'll give I'll give the precious arrowheads one 
kind of quick recommendation and that is to go and see yourself i know it's tar (laughs) which is in uk cinemas now i didn't realize it wasn't out in the uk when i recommended it on the end of year special um in my top 10 and uh yeah it's only kind of grown in my estimation recently i described it as a horror film on that end of year episode and i've since seen a piece uh online that analyzes the horror elements of it and I had literally no idea it did this, but there are hidden ghosts in that movie. Very similarly done to the ones that I put in A Little More Flesh, which no one's ever seen, (laughs) which I thought was super obvious in A Little More Flesh, but people don't spot them. And it's the same with Tar. I'm sure Todd Field felt that these ghosts were super obvious. I watched it on a massive screen, didn't spot them. So yes, if you love horror... Tar is not what you're potentially expecting, but it is definitely a horror movie. It's a ghost film. So really, really massive recommendation for that. And I hope it wins some Oscars because they don't normally credit horror. So Todd Field has snuck one by them. And let's hope that it gets lots of Oscars because it was nominated for a few today. So cool. All right. Let's I, haven't, uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen Tar yet, but uh, I do intend to. I am enjoying, at the moment, a uh, friend of the podcast, Kevin Lehane, uh, and I are in a WhatsApp group with a bunch of other filmy people. Um, oh, yeah. And I've, and I've been trolling him by saying I won't watch it because it's too long <laughs> <laughs> recently. So if, he, uh, if he's listening to this, I'm sorry, Kevin, for being mean, and I will watch it. Well, I actually watched Tar and Triangle of Sadness in the same day, Dan. So that was like a six-hour... Um, it's trying to sound this long. Yeah, oh, that's super long as well. Yeah, yeah. It didn't feel long at all. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features. I don't really have much, but I do want to thank everybody who came out to the sold-out screening of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, the Floating World Presents thing that I put together at the Hollywood Theatre. It went amazingly well right really really thrilling and the crowd had a blast lots of cheers and whoops and laughs and all the rest of it It was so much fun and we're going to do another one because it went well we're going to do another one in april and that will be the garbage pal kids movie so if you've ever wanted to see the garbage pal kids movie on a 50 foot screen (laughs) um, then that will be your opportunity possibly your only opportunity and that'll be in april but i'll talk about that closer to the time but we've already locked down a garbage pal kid caricature artist who will be uh, drawing people as garbage pal kids should they wish in the lobby before and after the movie so that's cool too but i'll talk about it close to the time and i just want to thank everyone who came out to ninja turtles it was so much fun dan do you have any extra features not really i've got two little things Ooh, uh, number yes. one there's a screening of the uh, lockdown the horror we did during lockdown for ben wheatley called in the earth ben's going to be doing a conversation with john higgs on stage oh at the wow in london on holy the shit next month i love john higgs yeah and it's sort of going to double up as a cast and crew screening because we never got one as well so we're oh, all going to nice. be there <laughs> wonderful so come and join us for that if you want and then the other thing is i'm going to obtusely complain about a horror film that everyone loves without saying what it is because i don't like to shit on films but it's really in the form of a note for people writing horror movies if you have a thing in your horror movie that you're going to drop in that you quote want people to notice on the second watch that changes the tone of everything make sure they don't notice it on the first watch because it'll ruin it 
there's a there's a horror movie that everybody has loved that came out recently that i i finally saw and it had a thing at the beginning that obviously the director was very or the writer was very pleased about and they're like uh-huh, no one will notice this on the first watch but when they watch it a second time they'll go oh my goodness they're so clever it's all laid out and it's like look i'm very happy for you to be so clever but don't don't telegraph it like that and also, very bold of you to think I'm going to watch your film twice. Dan, I, so you finally got around to watching Profondo Rosso. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, imagine. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But that, no, so there you go. Profondo Rosso is how you fucking do it. Exactly, yeah. yeah like that 100%. is the best example of it ever, which also we shouldn't tell people about because if there are people out there. So there's another recommendation <laughs> from Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he but can't help himself. Uh, I'm not saying where it is or what it is, and even if you know, I don't think you'd spot it unless, like, you yeah, wanted no, to ruin the experience right. for yourself. Like, I, he, he, he did a similar thing in Birth of Crystal Plumage, but he, yeah. uh, he faked it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. fakes it in Birth of Crystal Plumage. In front of Russell, he was bold enough to actually do it. Oh yeah. my goodness, it's so good, just incredible. And, and you know what, bold or not, I did watch that film twice, and then a third time, and now countless times. And and we have talked about that before because I'm pretty sure yeah. I think it was Carrie that does something similar and we referenced yes, it at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, anyway. I'm gonna ask you off record what movie you're talking about, um, before you go off to your fancy dinner with the makers of Infinity Pool. And in that spirit we should wrap things up. Social media, Dan, what is people's way of tracking you down across the internet highways? I am at 13fingereffects on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm trying to be more active. I've been posting some stuff from Infinity Pool that I'm allowed to post. I'll be posting some stuff from Banshees of Inishirin in the near future. Yeah, it's you know I'm trying to be more, more present, share more stuff. Sweet. Excellent. And you can find me over at Patreon forward slash VHS Quest. Not only do I have over 50 weird and obscure recommendations, I also have an alternate top 10 of the year over there. So I actually talk about over 60 movies on VHS Quest right now, and I'm adding four every single week. So if you like the recommendations, please do uh, support over there. And it's just $4 a month for all of that business so uh, a bargain all right that's it that's it and next time we've decided we're going to be doing what's it called again dan <laughs> uh, it's called incredible but true incredible but true i'm very excited for that and uh, yeah it will be sam and dan next time and then who knows we have locked down the structure now so i don't know if the arrowheads will be interested in this particularly but basically Every six episodes of the Arrow Video Podcast, you will get four episodes where it's Sam and Dan, and you'll get two episodes where it's just me to give Dan some breathing room because he's doing so much at the moment. And uh, that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year. So um, Yeah, there was a brief discussion where I thought I might have to step away from it just because other work is so big, but I don't want to stop doing this. I really like it. And God, yeah, I really wanted to find any possible way to make it work because I love talking to you, Dan, about movies. So long may it continue. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.